This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. This morning, I'm sitting with two directors of East London's top financial company, Invest. It is, in fact, the only listed company from East London. Gentlemen, would you like to please introduce yourselves? Morning, Ted. Uh, my name is Travis McClure. I'm a private wealth manager with NFB Private Wealth, uh, part of the Invest Financial Holdings Group, and my colleague next to me. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm Liam Graham, and uh, I run Invest Securities uh, for uh, Invest Financial Holdings. I think before we kick off, if you guys could just tell us the difference between a stockbroker and a wealth manager. From a wealth management point of view, it's much more of an engaging with clients and understanding their investor personality and kind of getting the overall picture. We, we do allocate uh, funds towards stockbroking or equities uh, where a guy like Liam from Invest would be the specialist. But uh, my role is more of an overall uh, financial planning role for the client where we look at their building of wealth over time and looking at their specific needs uh, on a personal basis. And then, as I said, there's an allocation to, to an equity or growth component, which, um, which would be handled by Invest Securities in this instance. Liam, you talk about the ability to be able to just walk up the steps to chat to Travis. You're in the same buildings. What is the advantage of you guys being so close? I guess, you know, Invest Securities is essentially at the coalface. We invest clients' money directly into the stock market, uh, mainly equities, local and offshore. So it's always good to, uh, to be able to go upstairs to the, the, the wealth managers and just to take their pulse on, on, on how clients in general are feeling about the market and maybe, uh, uh, you know, just add some value to, to ease their minds and to just maneuver them where they should be putting their money if the equity prices are looking attractive Maybe we try and encourage them to, to, to move some clients' money down to us. Or if we think the, the, the markets are looking overvalued and it might be time to, to, to get more defensive, then we can also uh, give them that sort of message. So it just allows us to, to, to work in a very mutually dependent way. There's a constant contact between the two of you. Travis, we've just come through a pandemic. People have lost jobs. People have lost companies what are the macro and the micro threats that you believe are facing your clients today obviously it's been devastating um, lots of businesses lost everyone struggled um and th there's always this difference between sort of what we call Wall, Wall Street and Main Street and often the markets move different to what's actually happening on the ground floor with the economy but the macro threats would definitely be you know, global threats, so maybe global inflation currently, um, things like COVID that come through, that's a, you know, big effect. Things that are sort of things that you can't control. Um, government, uh, certainly political things that can come into play. What, uh, so on the micro level, I, I would guess it'd be more, more sort of day-to-day uh, -day stuff on the street for clients themselves. So their own discipline is one that I always, you know, struggle with, is trying to keep, um, trying to keep clients on the path you know, stick to the to the to the structures that we're trying to do, um, and uh, you know they're often their own worst enemy. Keeping them saving, uh, other micro things like losing your job, what to do there, make sure you make the right choices. A lot of the time, people bail from their job, take the money, 
then they pay the tax and they pay heavy penalties and there are ways around that and you know you need to chat to your advisor and say look what is the the best way to do this what are the consequences of my decisions Liam macro and micro threats um, I think from our standpoint you know we we obviously try and assess where the where the threats and opportunities are and that provides us with some insight into where we where we want to invest so you know for instance Trev talks about inflation and it's a general theme across the world the globe at the moment you know inflation a little bit of inflation is actually a good thing it allows companies to get pricing through their businesses which end end of, end of the day drives cash flows which ultimately drives the valuations of stock so in that sort of environment we're looking for cl- for companies that have got a uh, very well-known brands that have got the ability to push pricing through and drive revenue. So there'll be an opportunity for those companies. And other companies which have commodity-type brands, they won't be able to push pricing through and it'll hurt their bottom line and, 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 and should be reflected in a negative share price movement. So for us, we try and move within those variables and find opportunities and stay away from the ones that may be damaged uh, uh, by the environment. You've got a fantastic job because you're spending time looking at individual companies. Do you, do you specialize in any one type of company? I know you've got a, a lot of associates in that. We can play the whole market, but we do look at thematics. So, you know, for, for at the moment, we're looking at technology and there's a clear chip shortage around the world. So we're looking at companies that can benefit from, those, uh, uh, from that demand and, and, the, and the, the increasing supply. So we'll focus on that. You know, as you mentioned, I've got uh, uh, several analysts that work for us at Invest Securities. Plus, we pay a lot of third parties for their research. So we, we, we try and reach to multiple places to get, uh, to get investment ideas and, uh, and our, I guess, insight into things that we look in. But generally, we, we can move in where we want. But when we do find a thematic that looks attractive, we nail down and drill right into it. So it is quite a, it's, it's quite nice in that respect. Travis, South Africans apparently are amongst the world's worst savers. Is your role trying to rectify this on a sort of a client-by-client basis? And what's the attitude of the younger generation to building wealth? My answer to these are always as soon as possible and as much as possible. So the question we get asked a lot is how much do I need to retire? Um, and, you know, your comment about bad savers, I think that the numbers about only 6% retire, you know, comfortably uh, on their sort of same sort of salary. So it's starting early. It's compounding that growth over time. Yes, it is educating uh, the clients to, to stay the course. Um, I think one of the reasons why we aren't good savers is possibly that we have a lot of expenses. You know, we're not a very good, although we are a social state in many aspects, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to pay for, schooling, housing, um, transport, etc. Whereas places like maybe the UK, you know, you get free education, you get better healthcare, you get transport that's there. So a lot of costs get taken up by that, you know. In this country, if you retire on state pension you pretty much haven't done your job i mean you, you know that state pension is 1018 rand a month it's not sustainable and then to come back to your question around the youngsters uh i think it's a it's a it's an instant gratification world so they're after the the quick money you know there's a lot of sort of online share trading there's a lot of crypto gets thrown into it you know and that's great and it can work but the thing is you've got to still stay the course keep saving keep compounding the, the, the cliched eighth wonder of the world of compound interest, compound growth, good assets. You know, Liam will buy the good assets that will grow against inflation 
And the other thing that we use is diversification. You know, you can't have all your eggs in one basket. And I know that's a cliche, but it's the truth. Diversification is the only free lunch you get. So we have to diversify the portfolio into different things. And, um, and we'll allocate those assets accordingly and according to those clients' needs. With the, your comment about the state pensions and that sort of thing, one of the scariest pieces of news that came out a while ago was government's proposal to allow people to draw out already. I think it was 40% of their pensions. What, what sort of knock does that incur on, a, on people's wealth building? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I think the, the reason for that was a lot of it to do with what happened with COVID um, and they're allowing, you know, people see their money sitting there uh, and they can't survive day to day. So I understand the reasoning behind that. The problem is the tax consequences and what that does. You take 40% out of your portfolio now, to make that back over time is very difficult. You take a big knock. And what people forget as well is if you... This is using, you know, if you take 50% out of a portfolio to get back to 100, you've got to grow it by 100%. You know, it's not, so it takes time. And depending on how that money is used, if it's just spent for day to day stuff, you're probably never going to make that back. So there's a lot of discipline in our game, uh, you know, trying to, trying, to, trying to keep the money invested, you know, trying to compound that growth and just letting people know the implications of their choices so that they can make informed choices. You chaps are almost psychologists. Do you have a lot of trouble persuading people to stay in? I know between the two of you, you've got 6,000-odd clients. That's a lot of people to be speaking to. Yeah, there is a lot of psychology, um, you know, and and you've also got to take the emotion out of it as well. So, you know, when investing, and and Liam can allude a bit more on that, is you've got to look at the, the cold hard facts. You've got to look at the numbers of the company and you've got to, you know, look away from what's happening with politics and, you know, sometimes that, the noise and, the, and, and excuse me for saying this, the media, you know, it can, can really fuel that, that, that emotion. And um, if you remove the emotion, you look at the, as I say, the facts and stick to the, stick to the knitting, um, you should be okay. And staying, the, I mean, last year, our market lost 40% or 50% during the COVID crash. From the bottom, we up 70 or 80%. You know, we up, equities up 30% over the last year. So had you just stayed invested and, you know, stayed with a good fund manager, you would have come through the process okay. But in that process, when it's looking terrible, that's when the panic hits and that's when we, the psychology comes in and we've got to calm people down and, you know, make sure that they don't make rash decisions. Liam, besides charging up and down to consult with Travis, you also have your own client base. Are people still comfortable in the stock market or is it really just for the wealthy? Um, no, I think that it's for everyone. I think that you just got to understand that it's not instant uh, um, rewards. Um, going into the market, you need to have a three to five year time frame, I think. And, and if you come in the market with that sort of mindset, you prepare yourself to ride through some of the tough times and actually benefit when, uh, when, when, when things go in your favor. And I think ultimately, you know, global GDPs are always growing. So you, you, you need to be benefit from that accumulation. And you know, as Travis alluded to, emotions drive a hell of a lot of, of, of people's behavior. I and mean, we always joke and say our busiest days at, at, at Invest Securities is Thursday because most of the bowls clubs pay bowls on Wednesday and we get phone calls because everyone you know, spreads stories 
and 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 we get we get the calls to say, oh, I don't want, I want to get out of this and I want to get out of that. So and so from the bowls club told me that you know this is going to happen. So a lot of the times it's absolutely managing people's um, uh, I guess mindset, you know, and you know if you can control that. You know, and, 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 and build money over time, I think that you'll benefit from it. And anyone, it's the stock market is for anyone. I think we're starting to see that. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, new firms uh, starting up which offer very low-cost uh, stockbroking facilities, and, and it tries to encourage more and more people to, to get involved. I have an idea it was Warren Buffett that once said, if he's going to get advice on the stock market from the chap who shines his shoes, then it's time to get out for a while. <laughs> Are people able to stay the long term, especially at a time like COVID? Now, I'm not asking you to crystal ball, but how long is COVID going to last? Well, how long is COVID going to last? And are people happy to stay in? You know, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great question. I think ultimately, if you can dig in and understand what drives a company and what drives the share price of that company – you're much more comfortable holding that company uh, uh, through various periods of, of, of uncertainty. You know, and, and, and when we look at the numbers, we actually think that the, 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 the companies that operate within the South African market and the globe are in a fantastic shape and, and much better than most people are giving them credit for. And, and that's showing through in very low valuations. So it's actually a very good time to invest now because as people come out of COVID and we start to normalise, I think sentiment towards uh, the future prospects of, of, of companies and job employment will get better and that, uh, that appreciation will show, show up in the stock market. So I think it's, it's created a nice opportunity here for people to, to start investing and, and we actually see quite nice upside still in, uh, in, in the local markets especially. Earlier, I spoke to Travis about what age should people start their wealth creation. Is there some sort of program that you chaps have that encourages younger people to play on the stock market? Not to invest a fortune, but to just understand how it works. So uh, we don't, Ted, but you know, there are those sort of things. I mean, we, we've recently uh, hired a couple of uh, new staff members and one of the criteria was you had, to, you had to have a passion for the stock market. And we had a lot of people come forward and said they had a passion for the stock market, but they actually had never invested their own money. And, and I said to them, if you have got a passion, then just go out and, and at least study. There's some virtual platforms that you can do at absolutely no cost. Or as I said, there's some very low-cost platforms out there from our competitors that, that, that are essentially close to free of charge. And they can put money into things that they like. You know, if you like something, and you know, I'll use an example, Apple, everyone's got an iPhone. If you think that technology is the way forward and that focuses your mind and you start to learn how the stock market works. So it's open to anyone and I encourage anyone, if they do have a passion, get in, look at some things you like and, you know, invest. You can invest 100 Rand, you can invest nothing, but look at, get involved. And we've got some great companies in South Africa as well, some great new companies. And if, you, if you're interested in business, I suppose they could look at those companies and say, well, that's the ones I'm going to go for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, information is freely available. The, you know, the, the internet has given people the power 
you know, to, to, to do the research themselves. So, you know, most companies have an investor relations uh, page in their website. They all publish financial documentation. There's presentations. You know, you can trawl through Google and, 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 and pick up little bits and pieces of information. So the tools are all there. You just got to apply it. And at the end of the day, it's, it's about the experience in the market that counts because then, then you get a, a feel of the ebbs and flows of things. Okay, Travis, what do you advise people that want to get their wealth offshore. Going back to my comments about diversification, that's one of the things we obviously look at. And as a you know South African investor, we make up less than one percent of the world economy. Um, we have got great companies locally, like you say. We've got a good financial setup. We've got great management teams. But at the end of the day, um, you know you can shop at the corner shop or you could shop at the massive mall. And globally, you've got access to so much more. Um, probably much stronger, maybe better run companies with a much big, bigger global presence. So it's important to diversify offshore. It's quite easy to do it these days. It used to be quite a hurdle. You can invest offshore with your local money through an asset swap, as we call it, or you can take the money directly overseas um, where you actually physically buy the dollars and pounds and the money sits outside the country. The other thing to remember is a lot of our local companies are global companies. They may be listed here, but they actually invest and get a lot of their revenue from overseas. So even though you might be in the local JSE, you actually do have a RAND hedge component to that as well. And over time, our RAND generally depreciates, but it's not, as, it's not a one-way bet all the time. So we do look at the currency as part of it. Um, but at the end of the day, you want your money making money in dollars. So one day when you retire, you hopefully have a portion that's coming from overseas that's maybe a little dollar or pound stipend or pension effectively along with your South African money, et cetera. And our, quickly, our one theme that we look at is income local, growth global. Our yields and interest rates are much higher here because of our inflation is higher. So we look at in, trying to get your income from a local source mainly, but if you want to grow your money, then you look more globally, and that's where the growth comes from. Our, our offshore book now in, in Invest Securities is equal to our local book. And, uh, you know, there's, there's just absolutely nothing stopping people to, to invest or open an offshore portfolio if that's what they want to do. Do you chaps look at China in any way? Absolutely. Studying Cantonese, perhaps? <laughs> Not Cantonese, but, I mean, it's been a big part of our, uh, our, our investment uh, thesis. Um, obviously, you know, they've got a, a, a large consumer population. Um, they've got very powerful companies, um, you know, dealing with a, a sort of, what do they like to call themselves, capital communist uh, uh, party, which has a lot of control in, on how the market works. So there's a lot of dynamics there. We've recently had a big spate of regulations uh, being placed on various companies. So we've had to focus on what's going on. We've become quasi-Chinese experts, uh, but it's, it's, it's a big part of the investment horizon and you have to know what's going on there. And there's a lot of opportunity if you make the right calls. Thank you, Liam and Travis for coming in. So investors, whether you're interested in China, the rest of the world or the South African market, the strong message that came through is start early.